if you're going to race cars, mate, you're going to crash cars. Are you telling me you've made a time machine out of a McLaren? Oh, my dad always says you shouldn't hit boys, mate. Oh, so. uh, well, we're not friends. Well, racing is life. Anything that happens before or after, just waiting. You're listening to The Grid Girls with Saski and Sarah. Sarah! What? It is finally been and gone. Oh my god, I know. We did the thing. We, we, survived, we survived the off-season. The was... Australian Grand Prix has arrived in all of its Technicolor, koala and kangaroo bringing glory. It was magical. And it's the and the and 2015 Formula One season is here. Yes, and I'm finally caught up, caught back up on my sleep from the Australian Grand Prix. It took a whole week. Now look, it was it wasn't that late. It was a it was a 1 a.m. start here for the for, for the race. Yeah. I mean, admittedly, when I say it wasn't that late, I finished work at 1:45 most yeah. mornings, so it was kind of like there was a bit of a crossover for me there, but. Mm. It was great. I mean, it was great just to have Formula One back, to have the practice sessions and have the, the soothing voices of the Sky television crew back in our ears. And oh, I, I'm still pretty stoked from it all. Yeah. No, I, I, I feel the same way. I actually dragged myself out of bed for qualifying and went to bed very upset that it was over. But, uh, you know, it's good. I'm... I'm I'm, I'm pleased that it's back, and I'm pleased with how that race went, and I can't wait to see kind of how the rest of this season shakes out. Well, you're definitely pleased because you know, I'm a, <laughs> you're Mercedes a Mercedes fan, but yeah. look, it wasn't the world's most... Look, most of the excitement for the race happened before the lights went off. Of course. But look, I think just, we had a race that was great. We'll, we'll take what we can, we can get at this point, hey? It's like it's like junkies. You have to you have to take what you can get anywhere you can get it because oh we're so addicted. It's bad. It's bad. Like it's funny. I keep seeing people this week that have been complaining about Formula One. They're like, you know, fans are going to turn away. The product isn't as good. All these things. And I'm like, I don't know about you, but I don't think real fans turn away from sports that they love. No. No. I mean, you get annoyed with it, and you'd like to have things done differently, and you'd prefer that someone that wasn't Bernie Eccleston was in charge of a sport, you know, maybe someone who wasn't senile and had some form of, you know, idea about what they were doing. But, you know, we'll take what we can get. We complain, and then we come back, and we keep watching, and then we complain again, and then we come back and keep it's watching. Like, I know I shouldn't be taking this crack, but I feel really, really good while I it's happening. You're great, so yeah. I'm going to do it. <laughs> Yeah, maybe it's the wrong analogy for us to draw, but it, it, it works pretty well. Don't do drugs, kids. Don't do drugs. <laughs> Don't do drugs. Drugs are bad for you. <laughs> so let's talk about let's talk about the drama that kind of went on before the race. Let's start with uh, Sauber and their their uh, their issue. The, the drama llama that was Sauber. Now, I actually I actually enjoyed the Sauber drama, and I'll tell you why. You are probably the only person in the world that enjoyed this. I have a law degree, and my two, two of my specializations, or three of them at law, were contract law, sports law, and international arbitration law. Oh, dude, you were, yeah, okay. So I was like, guys, this is my wheelhouse. I know exactly what we're talking about here. Nice. So 
yeah, so as we've seen and as we know, Guido Vandergaard took Salva to court in uh, Melbourne, Australia to seek enforcement of a Swiss arbitration decision that gave him the right to uh, compete. Essentially, the Swiss arbitration decision was that his contract was valid and as a term of that contract, he had a right to one of Salvo's uh, race seats. Um, the reason he sued in Melbourne was obviously to get um, enforcement of the judgment in Melbourne so he could be in that car for the race in, in Melbourne. Um, he did get enforcement of that judgment granted. Sauber appealed and were struck down again. Um, it was an amazing example of how fast the Australian legal system can work when they want it to work that well, which is essentially never. <laughs> I have never witnessed the Australian legal system work so efficiently. Well, isn't it? For Salva and, and Vandercard and, and this case. Yeah, I, I mean, nothing against you guys, but you tend to be kind of a laid-back country that doesn't really do things very quickly, but that's um, fine. <laughs> look, but when we do, we've generally thought them out and made the correct decision. I mean, we don't rush into things like, I don't know, wars and invading other countries like America does, but just, hey. Hey, hey, anyway, we're not All right. Um, back, Salva, off, back off, Australia. Yeah. Salva, um... <laughs> were defeated twice, asked to pay costs, um, and then we see the whole thing that's Guido in the seat, in you know, Ericsson's uniform, getting fitted in Nas's seat, and yada, 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 and then we see the, the kind of gamesmanship that comes from that. Guido doesn't have a super license. There's a problem with the contract recognition board that the FIA has because, you know, uh, Monisha Cuttenborn and the team had lodged a complaint with it, uh, like, a month earlier to say that he didn't have a contract because he'd breached, you know, um, uh, some some term. It, it's escaping my mind right now. He'd breached confidentiality, that's the one, and, and so forth. So we saw this whole gamesmanship where he couldn't have a license, he didn't have an, and then so Guido comes out and says, look, you know, I'm, I'm not going to race this weekend, you know, we'll focus on Malaysia. Now, the thing is also, if Guido wants to have a seat, He's almost practically got a sue salva in every different jurisdiction for the enforcement of the one thing. And so drama ensues. Salva end up striking a deal with Vandergaard to pay him a bunch of money. And so what we're thinking is they turned around to Nazar and Ericsson and was like, hey, guys, uh, you really want that seat you paid for? Uh, you might have to, you know, pony up a little bit more so we can make you who over here go away. So Peter um, gets his money back and a little bit in turn. Um, but now he's gone. Doesn't have a race seat. Uh, be interesting to see if he ever gets a seat again with the team because this is the second uh, team he's sued. Uh, yeah. Previously sued. Can't remember who he previously sued. Uh, the name escapes me because the name is no longer what they are. Um, for a similar kind of breach of contract scenario. The interesting situation now is poor Adrian Satil. What's he yeah. up to? Did Meanwhile, he, in Germany. He gets over. Meanwhile, in Germany, Adrian Satil is like, why didn't I think of this? Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's interesting. And, you know, you're right. The pictures that came out um, of Vandegaard wearing Ericsson's suit were just, like, really jarring. I don't know. I, I, yeah. I, uh, that whole situation was, was messed up. I have a good friend who's a, a Salver fan, and, like, him melting down about the whole thing over Twitter was pretty funny to watch. But aside I'm, from that, like, I'm glad they settled it all up. People were like, oh, this makes me really dislike Sauber for poor management. I actually don't see this situation so much as poor management. 
but it was a situation they got themselves in. How is that not poor management? Let me, let me, let me finish. I see themselves as they got themselves into a situation where they suddenly realized they just, like, if they hadn't signed Nazar and Ericsson, they probably wouldn't have had the money to run this season. So, yeah, it's poor management, I guess, in that sense. But they've also cut to this situation where they're like, we're kind of fucked if we don't sign these guys, and we're also kind of fucked if we do sign these guys. And I, mean, I, I, I don't know from a perspective of poor management from not having enough sponsors to cover your money. Finding sponsorship is a nightmare. I just do it for a living for a sporting team. It's almost impossible when, you, when you're when you trying to find money to, to cover your means and you're a team that doesn't have the reputation of other things, you know. Um, but, yeah, a lot of the people are like, I can't believe a team with a lawyer for a leader got themselves into this situation. I was like, okay, firstly, every single team has a lawyer very high up to prevent these or try to avoid these things. Mm-hmm. But that lawyer also can't magically make the money she needs to appear. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But anyways, so, you know, Sauber fi- figured their crap out. Sauber Circus. <laughs> yeah, um, that went fine. Um, and, hey, they actually got both cars on track, and they didn't do super badly either. That was Sauber are looking way better this season than they were last year, and almost than we expected. I mean, I guess they've got a... Sauber have a... A Ferrari. They're a Ferrari yeah, engine. Like Sauber have a Ferrari engine, correct? Yes. And, I mean, remember, they did super well in testing. Like, Nazir went fastest on at least one of the days in testing. So, I mean, may, we, maybe we thought that that was just kind of weird or, uh, you know, abnorm- an abnormality uh, with all the other teams sandbagging it. But, no, apparently that pace is real. I mean, that's great for them. It's nice to see a little bit of a mix-up in the field behind, you know, the two front runners. But, yep. yeah, pretty good. So let's talk about the – well, not necessarily the actual race. Briefly, let's touch on qualifying. Mercedes, really good at qualifying. That's McLaren, it. really bad. That's it. And then, yeah, and then Valtteri Vadas got hurt. He either wrenched his back or something. And, and yeah, did, yep. Like, was kind of disappointing. I, I see. I'd seen the the qualifying end, and I pretty much went straight to bed. And so I got up the next morning, and there's like this photo of them like ca- like cantilevering like Valtteri Bottas out of the car, and I was like, oh, this doesn't. Oh work. dear. Yeah, that's not good. Um. So yeah, the grid the grid was a lot smaller than than it should have been. Uh, without him, without. Obviously, Marusha, Manor Marusha did not make it to the group. I find it funny. Are they actually just called Manor, or are they called Manor Marusha? No, because the official app has been calling them Manor Marusha, and, like, all of the news outlets have been calling them Marusha still, and I'm just like, pick a name. The F1 website is, like, Marusha. I was like, I don't think they're called that anymore, guys. Like, I think you may want to check that. No, and they're registered as Manor, so, like, can we just set on something, please? Set out a press release and, like, tell us what you actually want to be called, because this is annoying. Yeah, I was like, I was like, um, I feel like as the F- F1 app, like, you guys might want to be the people that get this right, right? Right. Like... But we all know how good the F1 is at social media, which is to say... Look, they've att- they appear to be making an attempt to improve. An effort has been made. <laughs> an effort has been made, but when your previous effort was zero, anything is an improvement. That's true, that's true. But it's, yeah, look, to be honest, the new F1 website I've logged on, I'm like, I don't know where anything is. Yeah. I can't find anything. I'm so confused. Really the app is terrible. The app freezes and crashes all the time, and uh, it's, it's like, the functionality of it just makes me angry. Like, it's not... I remember, app. I remember going to, so, um, 
I have a, a friend in Australia, a big Formula One fan, also an ice hockey fan, uh, called Amy, who um, I used to go to her place to watch some of the races. And I went one night and we had the tablet out which had the app open and all the, the timings on it. And it wouldn't work. And so we were like, I forgot the problem was. And it was some obscure problem like if you were in Australia, you had to change your settings to say you were in England because if you were in Australia, it crashed. But if you said you were in any other country, it worked it's fine. I was oh, like, what the shit is this? Like, this is the most obscure fault I've ever seen. And I say that as somebody who helps build websites. Like, yeah. you, you, you're crashing entirely based on, on country. Yeah, that is pretty weird. And, I mean, I, I wasn't a huge fan of the fact that, like, they didn't update their app for the 2015 season until two days before the race. So I didn't actually know what time qualifying was at until... Oh, I thought qualifying is at 1 a.m. And I was like, wait, qualifying is at 2 a.m.? If oh. that, you not tell me this. Yeah, like, I got home at, like, 10 past, 20 past 2, and I, like, run through the house trying to, like, connect my Sky stream. And I was like, damn, come on, come on. Yeah, but, yeah. but, I was going to say, let's get to the race. Yeah. The race. <laughs> there was a race. The, the race. whole little one is back. Oh, man. When the, obviously, <laughs> this is going to sound super cheesy, but, like, when the lights went out, I, I may have cheered up a little bit. Like, well, see, I, had, I had a moment. My problem with that was I had, um, I had, um, Sky Sports on my computer at work, and mm -hmm. it kept pausing and like glitching so like as the lights went it's like the noise has changed like the sound is gone and the community and I'm like ah! and so finally the last games have finished and I like managed to flick through to the actual race at like 20 past one and I was like come on mm. but by that time like like these people had crashed and this had happened and yada 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 look I think by the time the lights went off if you had actually got to the start line you deserved points we'd started the weekend with theoretically 20 cars by the time the lights went out we had 15 so three cars didn't even leave the pit so the two manners and Valtteri Bottas didn't leave the pit we had two cars die before they even got around to grid up Oh my god, wait, Magnuson's car died on the parade lap, didn't it? Yeah, Magnuson <laughs> and Fiat's car didn't even get <laughs> back so around to the door. Poor Magnuson, like his one chance to get a race this year and his car doesn't even make it. I, look, I felt, like, I felt the absolute worst for Kevin Magnuson. He's a guy who lost his seat to Jensen Button. And I mean, I love JB. I'm a no, JB fan, but JB's like 35, yeah. right? He's possibly had his best years, and the car is going to probably be terrible for the next year or a bit. And and poor Kevin Magnussen doesn't have a drive. He doesn't have a drive in any level. So Stoffel Van Dorn still gets to go on race GP two. Mm -hmm. They were so late that he couldn't find a drive in wet when he wanted to get a Corvette drive, so he could drive with his dad because they took so long to announce his seat. He didn't get a chance there either. So you've got this kid who last year raced in Formula 1, age 20, and now age 22, uh, 21, sorry, now age 22, is basically just going to sit around and occasionally sim a car. That's terrible. Yeah. And then Fernando Alonso 
get injured and you get given a seat in the race where you, you, you end up on the podium in your first race, you came second, you did the best McLaren did last year and your car dies before you even get back to the grid. Like you've flown 20 hours from Europe for your big chance and the car dies. Yeah. Like the moment when you watch him get out of that car and like walk slowly away from it, he's like, head is down. Like you're just like, he's just like Charlie Brown walk back to the inside his helmet right now. <laughs> yep. No, that's that. The whole, uh, everything McLaren's doing this year just makes me angry. Oh well, whatever. It makes, look, here's the thing. I, I, I'm working on the philosophy that McLaren and Honda are going to be terrible this year. But they're going to get, like, Honda is putting so much money into this and there's so much skill and talent and all of that stuff that when they get it right, holy shit, that car should be really, really good. Keyword being should. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, Uh, should. Should. Yeah. So Magnuson doesn't make it to to the, the start. Kvyat doesn't make it to the start. We get the race going. Pastor Maldonado doesn't make it past the first lap. Uh, <laughs> Maldonado doesn't make past the first lap, and at that point in time when Maldonado crashes, I got a text message from my younger brother, which is just the screen cap of the payout of the bet he made that the first car to crash would be past Maldonado, which let me tell you has a thirteen dollars fifty to one odds. Has the person who does the waiting for these odds ever seen a Formula One race? Because giving odds to Pastor Maldonado of a dollar to thirteen dollars fifty. For crashing, the first, being the first person to crash seems absurd. Yeah, that seems like a gimme. Have you seen the website has MaldonadoCrashedToday.com? Because that exists. No, but that is amazing. That is, oh my god, that is excellent. They have like video footage and everything. It's magical. But like, you know what? The funny part is in this race, it wasn't even his fault. No, actually, you feel bad for him. You watch a replay and you're like, oh, he really couldn't do anything there. Like that, like there was literally nothing he could have done. You're like, okay. So Maldonado did crash. I'll give you this it wasn't one. His fault. <laughs> you get it. You get one gimme for the year, and that was it. Yeah, that that's his one non-his fault crash for the year. The rest of them, man, you're on your own. Yeah, seriously. So um, yeah, the rest of the race. I mean, the Mercedes led the whole time. That was Look, fine. Yeah, uh, Lewis Hamilton. If I was the people who sponsored Mercedes teams, I'd be kind of annoyed by now because I've watched the replay of this Australian race like two or three times. Yeah, me you, you, you don't see them. No. They get out the front and everyone's just like, fuck that. We're going to watch what's happening back here. Lewis at the start of the race and then like briefly while NBC had half the screen taken up by commercials and then at the end when he won and that was it. Like, yeah, there is... I mean, you you hear often about people wanting to get to the front, even though they've got no chance of winning because they know it'll give them some good airtime for their sponsors and things like that. Like, that actually comes into it. But, like, if I'm sponsoring McLaren, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to see my stuff when they line up at the grid, when they pull away, when and they then I'll see the the line, and when they park and park for me, and that's I'll it. I'll see the sponsor logos burning off the car as the engine just sort of slowly lights on fire. Yeah, yeah that too. I'll watch my, I'll watch my brand. Catch a flame. It'll be beautiful. <laughs> well, seriously, look, Lewis got out the front and he was gone. Nico followed him and was well. I love the part when they have the safety car and the safety car leaves and Lewis is just like, no, and Nico's like, what, what? And you just yeah, like, you yeah. really didn't do that one well. Got a great takeoff after that safety car. Yeah, Lewis is like at the first corner before anyone has got a car. <laughs> and you're just like, wow, 
you, you really played that one well, and the rest of you paid absolutely no attention. No, no. And I mean, okay, let's be real. The Melbourne circuit isn't really the greatest for overtaking. So it's there, not. there wasn't a lot of it. The race wasn't super interesting. The race was, yeah, look, the race, the race was more interesting than the race in Sochi. Oh, God, that's not hard to do, though. But... <laughs> really not hard to do. It was not the world's most interesting race. I mean, I think the more interesting things were how bad several of the pit stops were. Or, yeah. you oh know, like how no one can get a back left tire on to cha- save or themselves. Jimmy Raikkonen, that poor guy. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I, that, think a lot of the, I think a lot of the interesting parts of the race were, like, the peripheries. Like, Max Verstappen's car breaks down, and Joss Verstappen just is like, pulls the headphones off and throws them to the floor and storms out of Toro Rosso. And I was like, oh, you're one of those parents. Yeah, he's definitely helicopter parent extraordinary. I looked at, I was watching this, and I was like, oh, like, to be honest, I, you know what? Let's have a bit of a quick chat about the rookies. There was oh, a yeah, yeah. saw for a first time, and I am really looking forward to watching them race the rest of this year. I mean... Some of them I'd seen before, like I'd seen, I watched a lot of GP2, so I'd seen Felipe Nazar, and Felipe Nazar races a Formula 1 car like it's a GP2 car. He does. It was really fun to watch, actually. I'm, I'm really excited. I didn't really, I've seen a couple GP2 races, but like I really had no opinion about him, but now I'm like, I'm thinking I'm going to cheer for him. He's, yeah. he's really Marcus um, Erickson looked a lot better in a car that actually did something. Yeah. I mean, I still think Felipe Nazar is going to be the far and ahead best out of that pair in Sauber. Mm-hmm. Um, Verstappen and Sainz look like they're going to be really interesting to watch this year. And pretty much everything Toro Rosso has done with the pair of them around the racing has been hilarious. And I'm really yeah. looking forward to seeing what they, they do this they year. They did a video of uh, them going to the Melbourne Zoo and like they had to act like the animals at the zoo and it was just ridiculous. I so. think it's going to be fun. Like You've got two guys, like what, Verstappen's 17 and Sainz is what, 20? 20, yeah. Yeah, they're going to be a really, they're a really young team, and you may as well make the most of that. Like, they're going to be fun to watch, and I'm both on like... and off the track. So I think the rookies we've got this year genuinely make me excited to actually watch them race. Yeah, for sure. I think it's going to be super interesting. The first time a Toro Rosso finishes higher than a Red Bull, a Red Bull that actually... That's gonna, yeah, and that will happen this year. Yep, yep. so I can't I mean, wait. it's probably not going to be... Vettel at Monza. Oh, but we watched that race a couple a couple months ago, and that was amazing. Yeah, I think I remember we watched that one this afternoon. But that was it. Look, it was great, mm-hmm. and I really look forward to seeing the Toro Rosso guys this year. I'm really looking forward to hopefully seeing Mana on the track in Malaysia, mm-hmm. because I was really I was generally disappointed when they didn't get out there because Graham Loud and their um their team principal. I really like that dude. He seems he seems like a genuine guy with a real passion for the sport and all of that. And none of this. And I mean, I don't mind Christian Horner, but Christian Horner is getting on my nerves right now. And yeah. Graham Loudon is like everything I want in a team principal at the moment. So. Yeah. No, I I, I like him. I like listening to him talk. He's fun. Um, let's t- the rest of this race though. I mean, okay, Ferrari getting on the podium. Yes. As Good Vettel job, looks, one of the things I noticed is Vettel looks genuinely reinvigorated to be racing cars. Him and Raikkonen look happy to be at Ferrari. They look excited. The team has this kind of new energy. I like um, uh, with Uri Vibene, I think that's how you say his name, very Italian. Um, 
see if you have bored and like you kind him. of feel yeah. back to the team. I like him, actually. Everything yeah. I've heard him say or everything I've, like, read about him just points to the fact that I think he's actually going to set this team back in the right direction. There was that really great story I heard where he walked in with 100 hats and some Sharpie markers and was like, right, everyone, shine these hats and we're going out there to give them out to all of the fans who were wearing Ferrari red because without them we don't have this. And you cannot imagine Ferrari of the last couple of years doing that. Mm-mm. No, I think they seem really big on remembering that if it isn't for the Tifosi, they don't have this. Yeah. The Tifosi is what has made them who they are, and they seem really big on reconnecting with that, which is great. Um, That being said, I counted the other day Vettel in three different countries in one day doing PR. So you may want to just... Dial it down a little bit. Dial it down a little. I mean, (laughs) in Europe, everything's pretty chill, but it was like he was in Italy in the morning, he was in Germany at lunchtime, and then he was in like Croatia or something in the evening. Yeah. And I was like... He seems like the happiest little kid in the world right now to be with Ferrari. And like, I think that's, yeah, I mean, he grew up a Red Bull driver. He's been a Red Bull driver for what, 15, 16, 17 years, something like that. It's really saying something for the allure of Ferrari and what Ferrari means as a growing young racer for you, someone to make that change and be so genuinely excited. Well, I mean, you know, obviously growing up watching Michael Schumacher do his thing at Ferrari, and uh, Vettel said that Ferrari had been speaking to him since about 2008. So, yeah, I mean, it's clearly been a long process, but the the culmination of it being, like, a podium in his first race with Ferrari, like, that's great. Ferrari, I think, what was it? Their first, their first podium that wasn't Fernando Alonso since 2012, I think. Mm-hmm. Maybe like it's been a lean few years for them, and I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we see them win a race this year. Yeah. I mean, I think something dramatic has to happen to their engine or the Mercedes engines in a negative sense. <laughs> or that's driver- happened. I think if we see any driver error ahead of Vettel, uh, he could win a race. Kind of like every time I hear the words "driver error," there's one thing that stands out in my mind as "driver error," and that is the end of the 2011 Canadian Grand Prix, where the reason Jetson Button wins is because Vettel, on like the second or third last corner, just goes fishtail back on the track, and and Button's like, "Peace out." Yeah. Button had made, like, 11 pit stops or something that race, too, yeah, right? He, like, made, he made, like, seven pit stops, and he'd been actually every single place a person could possibly be. Yeah. But the Australian GP, it's, it's, it's over. Yeah. But we've got a whole season left, and um, there's a few things the Australian GP kind of tells us about this season. Now, my first one has nothing to do with racing. Ugh. The Australian broadcast was lucky enough to have Mark Webber as the guest commentator for a large portion of the weekend. Now, after having watched this race three times, I'm of the opinion that every single race should be commentated by Mark Webber, preferably with the Sky broadcast crew. Because if I have to listen to Alan Jones commentate and ask ridiculous, like one of the, in the middle of this conversation, Alan Jones goes, so Mark, tell us what undercut means. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, what? every person watching this broadcast knows what the undercut means. Oh my God. And then one of the other things, he's like, you know those things that are beside your head in the car? And he's like, your racing harness foam things. And he's like, 
yeah, those. Do you adjust those based on the weather? And Mark's like, yes. <laughs> and like, you can't see their faces, but you can just hear him going, Fuck's sake! What is it? I actually this? wrote down some of the quotes from it because I just I look I got such a good laugh though at one point I almost wanted to rewatch the race and take a counter of how many times he used the word mate <laughs> because I didn't think I used the word mate a lot until I moved to North America and then you become really really aware, aware of it <laughs> just how often you use the word mate I'm like right mate thanks mate no problem mate thanks. You know, good luck, mate. Like, how you doing, mate? Like, everything. I use the word mate. And I get massacred by my co-workers because they think it's hysterical. Every time I call into, like, a, a like a, like group conference call for us to catch up because our offices are in different places, my boss is like, how you going, mate? In just the worst Australian <laughs> accent I've ever heard. He thinks it's great. That's but anyway, we had, we had Mark Webber on the broadcast. And... Uh, he had, two, like, two or three really just great lines. At one part... He's like, we've got Pastor Maldonado on the screen, right? And he's like, well, Pastor Maldonado is still surviving so far. Let's see how long that lasts. And this is his Pastor Maldonado, like, walks up, like, the pit lane to get onto the grid. Like, he's not even in a car yet, Mark. Nothing can go wrong so far. <laughs> and then, we like, they, they go back to... um. They, they're on the grid and Daniel Ricciardo has got, like, knee pads on. And they're discussing, you know, whether he, like, spins them around to provide some support under his legs to take pressure off his back or whether because of his size, like, he has them on the top so they don't bump against the, the uh, top of the, the pod. And, and Mark's like, I was a nightmare because I was bloody tall and it's really hard to get into. But Dan also has some decent love handles on him, so it's a bit difficult as well. And I'm like... You were literally on global television telling the world that Dan Ricardo has big hips because he's Italian. Like, <laughs> nice good work, Amwebby. Yeah. My favourite part, like, and then there was another one where he was like, uh, the only problem Lewis has had all weekend is getting into the circuit with all the bling he wears. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, God. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. And I was just like, you know, someone else was like, well, look, if he fell over, he'd never be able to get back up again. I'm like, I shouldn't find this so funny, but it, it, it is. But yes, Mark Webber, I wrote, Mark, I wrote one, Mark Webber guest commentating every Grand Prix because he's just so blunt. There's no filter there for, like, appropriate things, like, not to say on global television. <laughs> I guess that can be a good thing and a bad thing. But... I, think it's a, like, I can think it's a good thing, and it would be a bad thing in the sense that he'd probably get himself in trouble, and we would love it because he'd be like, eh. Yeah, whatever. Whatever. What you gonna do about it? You can't take my drive away. I'm retired. <laughs> I drive in wet where I still bin it into walls. <laughs> oh god, you're not wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. Well, alright, so that's that's the race. Yeah, I think I think I saw a good fact though. You know, getting back to the 2015 season going forward, I saw a really good thing that said every time a team has gone one-two in Australia, the driver that won the race won the world championship, and the team that went one-two won the constructors' championship. Huh? And I was like, probably right. the chance of that happening this year is really good. Yeah, and I was like. <laughs> right, so you're basically saying Lewis is going to win and Mercedes are going to win and anyone who feels like not making dramatic predictions has already made that prediction. Oh yeah, no, it was ridiculous. I was watching the NBC pre-race coverage 
everyone picked Lewis to win the championship. Everyone picked Mercedes to win the championship. And, like, Mercedes, yeah, I can, I can understand that. But, like, you would expect at least one of the guys to, like, go off the grid and pick the other guy to yeah. pick Nico. Like, go out on a limb here. I mean, he could do it. And you're all going to look real silly if he does it and, uh, at the end of the year. But the thing is, they're only going to all – none of them are going to look real silly. They're going to look moderately silly because they've all picked Nico to get number two. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's not like you're going to look like, oh, it's going to be Rosberg, and Rosberg came second last, and Carlos Sainz won the championship. Yeah. Like, yeah. that would make you look stupid. Also, yeah. that would be, like, the world's largest shock. So no one would probably look stupid. Everyone would just be like, yeah, look. What just happened? Yeah. yeah. What the hell just happened? Um, I No, but I was a little, uh, a little surprised that they all went the safe route, and, um, like, no one picked. No well, one wants to, no one wants to get it wrong. Yeah, well, a bunch of babies. Just take a chance. But, uh, no, I, I again, I think that's... Haven't you that's picked Lewis to win? Huh? Haven't you picked Mercedes and Lewis to win? Well, yeah, but I'm not an NBC commenter. Commentator. <laughs> I'm Diffie, okay? I am not, I am not Will Buxton. I am Sarah Connors doing a dumb little podcast that, like, five people listen to. It's fine. Ouch! Ouch! You just called our baby both dumb and told us that no one listens to us. People love us. We're kind of a big deal. But we're not NBC. So. Not at all. <laughs> we're great. Anyways, yeah, no, so I, I, I think it's a safe prediction, and I guess if you want to be safe, that's fine. I, I like being safe. Safety is good and important and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, I, I can see that happening. That's fine. Um, let's talk about the difference in speed between last year and this year is kind of interesting. Yeah, I found a great little graphic. Um, I will add it to our page on uh, thegoodgirls.com. I couldn't even figure out where I got the graphic from so I can credit it correctly. I think <laughs> it may be from Autosports. Um but they did a really good comparison between the best, the best, um, uh, best lap at Melbourne uh, speed, the best, yeah, the best lap speed at Melbourne in 2014 to 2015. So they did a, so there's kind of two ways that they've taken this information. You've looked at the the differential in speed improvement between last year to this year. Mm-hmm. So you've got teams like Lotus have improved their best lap time by, by over five seconds. Yeah, that's incredible. You know, most teams, most teams are improved by around two to three, except for McLaren, who are <laughs> 0.9 of a second slower than they were last year, which is, you know. But the next comparative they have is how much they have gained and lost on, on the gap to Mercedes. Yeah, this Mercedes is Mercedes being the, the top speed. So when you look at Lotus, Lotus have improved five seconds essentially and they've gained two seconds on Mercedes so Mercedes have improved three seconds but and, and so forth so the gap to Mercedes from this year to last year is two two and a half seconds they've improved McLaren are four seconds slower this year than they were compared to the Mercedes last year you know mm-hmm. Force India are a full second behind the comparative so while you're saying, I guess the gist of this, these numbers, and it's hard to kind of explain numbers when you can't show people them, like, obviously we're talking. But mm-hmm. the gist of it is saying that it's great, you know. Um, Ferrari have improved 2.3 seconds, but they're actually 0.6 of a second slower to the Mercedes than they were last year. So they've yeah. improved, 
but not as much as the Mercedes have improved. Mm -hmm, exactly. So of, of all the other teams, there are three teams that made gains on Mercedes, and that's Lotus, Sauber, and Williams. Sauber, again, like we said, looked great in testing, looked great in the race. Uh, that's really I think cool. It's that engine. It's the, it's the you know, the, the Ferrari engine. They've, they've got a Ferrari engine, haven't they? Yeah. yeah. I keep getting confused because I was like, I know someone has changed, and I was like, wait, it was Lotus. Lotus have a Mercedes engine this year instead yeah, of a Renault. Say, that's, that's a big deal. Lotus switching from Renault to, to Mercedes engines is clearly working for them. But, I mean, with Sauber, Sauber, I'm, it's kind of surprising to see that Ferrari dropped back so much uh, considering that all the problems they had with their engine last year. Um, but I think the thing for Sauber is clearly that, you know, Sauber have improved, and while maybe Ferrari have dropped off a bit from the Mercedes, like Ferrari has gotten better overall, really, because they were terrible last year. <laughs> that was kind of one of those, and same thing with Lotus, those uh, no way to go but up yeah. <laughs> situations, but no, it's, that's pretty cool to see. So, yeah, I, I, I want to see this graphic from Malaysia next week, so mm -hmm. find it again. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 it's quite interesting to see, like, obviously at the start of the season, it'd be interesting to see this maybe after the, uh, after the giant break we have because there's no German Grand Prix this year. Yeah, yeah which we will come back to that in a bit. Um, yeah. Before we do that, though, we have a couple little news items to clean up at the end. Um, let's talk about next week. We got another race next week. We're going to Malaysia, which will be yeah. a 3 a.m. start for us oh, here. I can't wait. Of I have America. to make a very important decision as to whether I want to take a nap and sleep before the race or if I want to just lose all of Sunday and sleep until, like, 2 in the afternoon. Yeah, see, i got to go to work on Sunday, so I'm kind of like, oh, <laughs> hey, you know, like... Yeah, it should, it should be a good race, though. I mean, we should have Fernando Alonso back on the grid, which is super important. Uh, it looks like he's made a lot of good progress. Unfortunately, Fernando Alonso will still be driving a McLaren. Oh, I know, I know, but, you know... Maybe faster if he did make a time machine out of it. Oh, man. You know, I was going to say that. I was re-listening to our opening thing, and when they say, oh, you've made a McLaren into a time machine, I'm like, oh, maybe you should have focused more on making the car fast instead of turning into a time machine. But maybe that's just me. Anyway, I'm glad Alonzo is back. I think he's yep. a super important part of the grid. I actually just rewatched the uh, 2003 Hungarian Grand Prix last night. I think I have that one as well. I might have to watch that one this afternoon too. Yeah, I, I, I'm trying to rewatch all of the races where the current drivers who have won won their first race. So. Yes, I have that. I've done that one as well. I have a collection of that, excluding Pastor Maldonado's first win because I was like, I actually don't care. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, that's that's fair. I think um, I was like, mm, I, I'm gonna leave you. <laughs> I'll pretend this didn't happen. But um, no, I so I'm I'm just glad to you know have him back for the for this weekend. Look, I've enjoyed his recovery process. Like yeah. the gratuitous selfies of like the the like brittling biceps and the water oh and you're just like, yeah. I didn't realize his arms were so big. I was a little like put off by that. I was like, I thought he was no, what what is this? That's not you. Um but it was it, it was, was all about the gun show. <laughs> no. This way to the gun show, friends. But um yeah, no, I, I I just, I'm glad to have him back. That's good. Hopefully we'll have Bottas back as well. Um, although if he doesn't drive again, <laughs> let's Here's get him If If the Valtteri Bottas doesn't drive, we're going to see them put Alex Lynn in a car. And that is going to make all of us 
very unhappy because who do we want to see in that car? Susie freaking Wolf, please. Here's, yeah, and here's what gets me. And the super licensed boys did a really good job of capturing this. I don't care about, like, how... Look, to be honest, yeah, actually, she hasn't raced for quite a few years, so there may be some argument there. But if she's good enough to be your test driver and do all of this kind of stuff and so forth, and you have a seat empty, like... Put her in the damn car. Put her in the damn car. The you're, damn not, car. you're not going to put Alex Lynn into your race seat for at least a year or two. Think of the positive PR that you get out of putting Susie Wolf in, in the, the car. Year. You have the first woman to, like, actually competitively race in a race since, like, what, the 70s, I think, was the last person to, have, to like, actually race? Yes. Saskia, I have an idea. What? An idea. We should make T-shirts that just say, put her in the damn car. In, like, <laughs> her logo and font and everything. Put her in the damn car. Well, I, I already have a Susie Wolf scarf. Yeah, no, I saw it. It's, it's really cute. I um, have my Susie Wolf scarf, which yeah. I am in the middle of, like, actually getting properly done, and I, I intend to send one because she has asked for one, so I'm like, yay. No, but, but yeah, here's the thing. You, you put her in everything, you show her off, and you finally get a space where you're like, oh, maybe we could put her in ice. You can't really do any wrong. The worst thing that happens is she crashes the car. You know what? Your other drivers all the time. So come on, just give, throw us a freaking bone here, Williams. Throw, throw fifty-one plus percent of the global population's gender a bone here. Like, when are we ever going to get the chance for like? There seems to be no realistic woman in a race car on the horizon. We have Susie. Susie is our great white hope. And even then, we know that she ain't getting in any car short of, like, something dramatic happening. Here's the dramatic, the dramatic happening. Yeah. <laughs> Here's what we've been waiting for. Valtteri Bonas has injured his back. He cannot get himself out of a car fast enough to pass the test where you don't burn alive if you have an accident. Yes. Now, all things considered, he's probably going to be fine by Malaysia. Yes, this is going to be, <laughs> be totally fine. Yelling into the void about Susie Wolf, which, to be perfectly honest, is like 90% of our lives anyway, but, you know. Yeah. We do a lot of yelling into the void about women in, <laughs> women in sport. I mean, I'm going to uh, Pocono Raceway this year for IndyCar just to see Simona Di Silvestro. Because I don't know, like, like, hopefully she's still racing when it comes to Toronto, because I want to see the Toronto Indy, and I think, I think that's the Indy that she's involved in. To be honest, yeah. American racing is not my strong suit. That is, that is IndyCar, and yeah. uh, they're actually thinking about putting an IndyCar race in my city next year, which is really awesome. It means I don't have to go super far, but uh, yeah, so that's, that's a race series that has a woman driver in it, and it's a pretty you know, popular, significant series, but yeah. it's not F1, and again, just... Oh. We used to have an actual indie race in Australia. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it used to be called the Gold Coast Indie. We no longer have it. It's now like the Gold Coast V8, so it's not as good as it used to be, but, you know, like, it's still lots of women in bikinis hanging out of hotel room windows. Oh, of course. That's what I'm assuming Long Beach is going to be. Yeah, so. pretty much. Wear as little clothing as possible, get yeah. your drink on. I mean, yeah, why not? It's going to be like 90 degrees out. I might as well. Um, anyways, a couple a couple other quick things about Malaysia before we move right along here. Uh, we might actually see Manor make their debut. This I'm hoping for this. Yeah, I want to see what Will Stevens can do. That's that's pretty important. Um, I want to see Robert Mary's, like, amazing 80s feathered hairdo. 
Yes, oh, it's majestic. Um, it's so majestic, like best but, uh, hair on the grid, right? Him and Nico Rosberg, best hair on the grid right there. You should just have a hair off and see what happens. Um, Graham Loudon has said that they're, they've made good progress, even after having to pay for all their freight from Australia, because Bernie Ecclestone is a dickbag. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so... We should see them. We should have 20 cars on the grid this week, which is good. Well, no, no, no. Theoretically, we should. We have the potential of having 20 cars on the grid. Let's see how many of them get to the start line. Yeah, God, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, last year at Malaysia uh, in 2014, um, the podium was actually the same as it was last week in Melbourne. It was Hamilton for the win, Rosberg second, and Vettel third. Uh, and Hamilton had fastest lap, pole position, and the win. So I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if we see that exact same scenario this yeah, weekend. Honestly, neither. Uh, although I, you know, if Ferrari managed to not mess up Kimi Räikkönen's pit stops this week, we yep. could see him up there too, which would be super interesting. Since I mean, we haven't seen him on a podium in over a year and a half. Yep. So, yeah. Look, I love the Malaysian Grand Prix mostly for the whole. 2013 multi-21 oh, Mark Webber scenario. <laughs> like that, that never gets old to me. Like, never oh, just yeah. across the room like this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I forgot I forgot that was Malaysia. And he just tries to... He's like, I don't speak no English. I mean, I speak five languages, including English, but not right now. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Seb. <laughs> Such a little... Was that the race that we got the gif of Mark Webber slamming his water glass no, on the... No, 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 that was the British Grand Prix in 2010. Now, why did that happen? What happened there? Um, I'm not sure. Um, yeah, I, I'd have to go and find out. I, I think... can find context, but I, I use that yeah. gif for literally everything, so it's pretty important. Um, yeah, I guess predictions for next week? Yeah, we basically went through that. Hamilton, Rosberg, Vettel, probably... That's probably going to be all year, let's be real. <laughs> but that's fine. Um, all right, so that's Malaysia. What are you looking at? I was actually just pulling up the British Grand Prix and trying to oh, place yeah. a context. So I'm going to say that that moment is actually from the post-qualifying interview because Weber won the race and Vettel didn't make the podium, whereas qualifying was Vettel, Weber, Alonso. So I'm going to assume that that's where that, that gift comes from. Okay. Because obviously Seb is in it. So I'd say they just ask some <laughs> question and Mark is like, yeah, yeah. He, does that. he makes really good, like, upset faces. I don't know. Oh. I enjoy it. Best facial expressions around. Mm-hmm. But yep, as we said, predictions look, I wouldn't be surprised. Hamilton, Rosberg, uh, Vettel, potentially swap Vettel out for Raikkonen or maybe one of the, the Williamses. I wouldn't be surprised at any combination of, of that for third place. I still think we get Hamilton and Rosberg. Pending no cars dying. Yeah, which doesn't, I mean, the amount of testing they did, the amount of, like, reliability that was the focus in testing and Rosberg doing 80 bajillion laps in the Mercedes, I don't know if reliability is going to be as much of an issue for them this year as it was last year. So it's going to be those two, and then, like, let's randomly guess who's going to be in the third place. Yeah, pretty much. Um, Here's a question. When do you think the first rookie in this class will get his first podium? When or who? Both. I think it'll be Nazar, and I think it'll be somewhere around uh, the middle of the season. Yeah, I was about to say, I think it'll be Felipe Nazar. Um, yeah, look, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw somewhere like... 
And no, I feel like how Nazar drives would be he he's suited to somewhere like Monaco. I was gonna say that too, actually, uh, especially yeah. with Monaco being Monaco, kind yeah. of ridiculous things can happen. Yeah. So Monaco is yeah. that circuit where you don't need cars to break down because people hit walls with such frequency that you know that that's bound to happen coming around. Monaco is one of my favorite races to watch. I just love it. I don't think you're alone in that. <laughs> no. no. I think it's it's definitely it's definitely one of the best um best races around. You know, it's funny because sometimes that race can turn into kind of a parade, but it's just so nice to look at that it just doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, it's not Damn, like look at that swimming like, pool. Yeah, it's not like Sochi where like you have yeah, it yeah. and then you have some stands and then you have nothing. To be honest, I wouldn't be part of me is like I wouldn't be surprised if Sochi doesn't last long, but then I was like the Russians have so much money that it will just it will stay. Yeah. Just yeah. everyone will hate it. Ah, seriously. It's, uh, speaking of that, too. And speaking I just, of money and races, bum, bum, Germany. Yeah, off we just in, guys. This sucks. I, I was reading today that apparently Mercedes offered to just eat half of the cost for the race and to try to get it to go forward. Yeah, but I think they I think everyone hoped they'd eat more. Mercedes is a bit like, dude, not a charity. Yeah. Like, yeah. Come on. It's too bad, though, and especially because it was supposed to be at the Nürburgring again this year. Um, and, yeah, look, here's the thing. I mean, they're like, oh, well, you know, Red Bull eats a bunch of costs for the Austrian Grand Prix. The Austrian Grand Prix actually probably makes the money because so many people come to it because it's I'm great. Going. I'm going yeah. this year. <laughs> I, I, I would be going this year if it wasn't, like, at a really poor time for my, like, work. <laughs> I got some young young children to yell at during that time with draft picks. Um, but it's like they're saying like it's sad that the Germans didn't do this and didn't do that. Um, yada yada yada, you know. And so it's a bit like the problem with that race is that it's fans so, voted. They didn't go. Yeah, it's so cost prohibitive. I was talking to someone online the other day, and they were saying something like. A three-day pass in a grandstand in one of the less expensive grandstands was like 500 pounds, or not 500 pounds, 500 euro, which is you know 300 and something pounds, or you know five, a little over maybe 600 US dollars. It's expensive. Like I'm not going to spend 600 dollars and also fly halfway across the world to go to a Grand Prix when yeah. I can go to Canada for 90 bucks. I mean, 90 dollars yeah. the whole weekend, and this Canada doesn't sell out, but they get pretty damn close. The place is always packed. Yeah. I'm hoping um, I'm hoping that we'll be able to meet up in Canada for the race. I mean, I live five hours down the road. So Unfortunately, I. <laughs> I don't know what's happening with the Stanley Cup at that point in time. Yeah, so I yeah. could potentially be somewhere in North America. Especially where it's like... Potentially, I could be in Montreal because the Canadians are not bad at this point yeah, in time. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. Although if I have to go up to Montreal when the Habs are in the fucking Stanley Cup, I'm actually going to kill myself. <laughs> no, you'll be right, bro. You'll get over it. I don't want to do it, though. No, that's terrible. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, and, again, why do you make these things so expensive? Come on. Like, so many more people would go if, if it weren't cost prohibitive. Um, and, you know, that's that's a big part of why this Grand Prix wasn't a s success this year. And it's sad because it's so, his I mean, it's historic. Yeah, it's – we just lost the German Grand Prix. The German Grand Prix at the Nürburgring, like yeah, yeah. not happening. They were, not I mean, and once the Nürburgring wasn't an option anymore, they were looking at Hockenheim as well. But no. Hockenheim's like, dude, we we are we've agreed for every second year, like we can't afford to lose that much money again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, 
<laughs> you know what isn't cost prohibitive? And I guess this is a good time to bring this up. Formula E. Formula E. Formula E. We're my friend Liz and I are going to the Long Beach E Prix next week or two weeks from now. Do you know how much that race costs to attend? Nothing, because it's free. Zero dollars. It is a free race. You could like sign up for winning things and like put your put your email in and like go through Ticketmaster, and it costs zero dollars to do. It's like it's like they want people to go to these races or something. How they want people to go to these races for free so they can build a fan base so they can in yeah, the future yeah. charge you actual money for it. What a great concept. That's just so intriguing to Look, me. Uh, see, I love how you, you, you... We're on video chat, obviously, as we record this, and you're like, changing your chin like a wise and old beard. Yes. Here's the thing. <laughs> Formula One probably did that at one point in time, but Formula no. One has been around for so long that the idea of having a free race is actually absurd for I something know. And I'm not like Formula One. Do it for free. I'm just saying that, like, you know, bring the cost down a little. You make so much money from TV rights that, like, yeah. Oh God, think of the fans. That's think of the fans. Well, here's the thing: when you say you make so much money from TV rights, the racetracks don't actually make that money. Oh, that is true. That is true. So, so yeah. when we say the the cost of running the race. So the, the track itself is not making TV revenue. Oh, yeah, no kidding. But, um, I mean, I'm sure that taking the cost of a ticket down a little bit isn't really going to hurt them that much. Yeah, it, it, it's a difficult situation, particularly for somewhere like Germany, because you're like, okay, yeah, if I take the cost of the ticket down, how many more do I need to sell to reach that break-even point? And what is the what is essentially the the sweet spot between price that gives me the attendance that I need. You know, it becomes a tricky situation. And many people respond to decreased ticket sales by upping prices so that they meet that point. It's a very, very hard thing to kind of manage. Yeah, no, that makes sense. But anyways, so I should have a review of that EPRI. Yeah, I look forward to hearing about it. I mean, I've watched a few of them online. Uh, I still find some of them a bit weird and gimmicky in that, but I actually don't mind them. I like. I look. The they've got. They've got Jeff. The Jeff. For me, the weirdest part of it is the fact that they sound like the remote control car I had as a kid. For like, me, the weirdest part is where they get out of the car and into another. Oh car. yeah, no, that too, that too. But like, just oh, the way they sound is so strange. Um, yeah. they're so quiet and they have that like tinny whistle sound. Yeah. But, you know, I, I love half the drivers on the grid. They're all super fun to watch. Last week, um, Nico Prost won the race, which was kind of cool. Um, An American yeah. came second. Oh, my God, yes. The amount of sparkly eagles I posted on Twitter last week was, like, almost at Olympics-level excitement. Like, oh, you and I were friends during the Olympics. I remember this. <laughs> I liked it last week when you were like, I just bought a new American flag. I was like, what? Don't you Don't have, you like, 20? <laughs> well, this one is for uh, actual flag decorating purposes, so. I used to own an Australian flag. I think I left it in Everett. Oh, no. <laughs> in Buffalo. And, yeah, I haven't seen it since. I probably should get one. I mean, it's yeah. going to be necessary during the Women's World Cup. Get one and, like, hang it in your room so that everyone knows where you're from. Not that they can't tell. Yeah, I, I don't consider an Australian flag an appropriate method of decoration. Dude, I have a German flag up in my room. I mean, come on. 
but it's it's my raspberry flag from the. My USB. room is carefully coordinated and decorated. Yeah, Flags do not come into my design theme. Well, that sounds like a you problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, do we have anything else left to cover? I wanted to talk really quickly, speaking of money and whatnot and teams being whiny little babies. Red Bull is <laughs> threatening to leave the sport because... Red Bull has thrown all the toys out of its pram. There are no more toys in its pram. They are all none. gone. None. 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 none they also threw their binky out of the pram. Like, nothing's left in there. And they are still screaming for attention. Yep. It's ridiculous. And I, I, it's one of the major problems I have with this sport right now is that instead of actually working to improve their car and get to the point where Mercedes are at, they're just going to cry about it until Bernie restricts what Mercedes has been doing. And it's awful. It's terrible. And, like, yeah, maybe the race is a little boring, but... <coughs> Hello, Red Bull led the pack for four years. Like, come on. Take your take your time in the mid-pack, fix yourself, and then get back to the front. Yeah, we want to see Red Bull do well. Like, we want to see Ferrari do well and Williams do well. And heaven forbid, we'd actually like to see McLaren challenge Russia. I want to see both McLaren cars not blow up every race. That would be nice. That would be great. I'm setting them a low bar. But, you know, these things happen, you know. And, and teams have to work to get back to, to where they need to be, and sometimes it doesn't always work. But the, and look, I understand when they're like, Dietrich, if Dietrich Matrix loses interest in this, we, you know, he could pull the money. I get that. He wants the, the strategy they have adopted is to win, to promote the brand, and so forth. But it's kind of like things have a cy- cyclical nature. Like, take it for a year or two, then you'll be back at the top. Like, just, you know... The other thing is, I think that that whole uh, Dietrich Manischitz just wants to win all the time is kind of crap because they have so many entries in so many car series all over the world. They have a Brazilian stock car team. They have, you know, uh, they have stuff in... um, How many football teams do they have? How many hockey teams do they have? At least two hockey teams. Um... You know, all of those extreme sports sponsorships. Like, there's a whole magazine they put out every year, every month, that's just talking about, um, like, all of their sports interests. You know, if if one of their teams starts not doing well, they're not going to pull out of that sport because it'll make them look really, really bad. No, I I think what someone did discuss, though, was the idea that, you know, maybe Red Bull still sponsor Red Bull, but they sell the structure of the team to Audi. You know, like that was what someone else would talk about. You could still see a car with the Red Bull name and the Red Bull sponsorship. They may not be underpinning the expenses of the team. You know, they could become Force India in the sense that these people run the team and this is the sponsorship. Right. No, that's fair. So instead of being just Red Bull, it would be like Red Bull Audi or something like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That'd be all right. Kind of like how uh, BMW did it a couple years ago. uh, And they were originally BMW Sauber. And mm-hmm. now they're just Salva. Yeah. yeah. That'd be okay. That'd be fine. Salva really need to get themselves a naming rights sponsor. Yeah. they Maybe they should get Ikea because it would match their car. <laughs> and yeah. it would be beautiful. Yes. yes. I was actually like, a, a Salva, an actual, like, I know the team is, is run by a guy or started by a guy called Peter Salva, but I was like, a Salva actually... A company, or is Sauber literally just the last name of the, the, the team is named after? 
Yeah, I don't know, yeah. but um, you know, Force India's cars are like the VJM07, VJM08. Oh, I actually only realized that the other day. I was like, your car, the VJ Malia 09 or whatever. I was like, ah, oh, I get it now. It's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty great. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think if Red Bull don't run, like, they, if they do the thing where they partner with, say, Audi or, or if BMW wanted to get back in or whatever, um, they would have to wait until their, their whole deal with Infinity runs out. But once it does, yeah, that, that, could, be, that could be pretty interesting. I love that they like Red Bull Infinity Racing. You're like, uh, Infinity Red Bull Racing. like, oh, yeah, that car brand that no one has ever seen a car of. I saw one when they did their demo in Austin, and I had never seen one of those before. And it was yeah, I was like, I've never seen an Infinity on the street. I know where the Infinity sales room was in Melbourne. Yeah. But that was about it. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. And uh, the other part is, um, so Infinity is, I, I believe they're a division of Renault, um, and Renault is talking about maybe taking over one of the teams that's struggling and, like, starting their own team again. Yeah, having an actual works team. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's so it's, much gossip. Yeah, so much gossip in that. Plus, Haas F1 being a thing next year, maybe we'll have a lot of teams on the grid soon. I can dream, right? I'm look. Yeah, look. The more the merrier. Bring them all on. Mm, I mean, the more cars you have, the more like wheel-to-wheel -wheel racing you can get, and the more interesting everything becomes. I mean, think of the race last week. Only 11 cars finished, and by the end of it, they were all so spread out that it just wasn't really that interesting anymore. Also, Jensen Button being the only person to finish a race and not get points. Poor guy. I felt bad for him, but he was just like, this is what, he's like, this is my life, this is what I have accepted. Yeah, yeah, hey, at least you finished the race. That's like, I feel like uh, McLaren needs to get one of those you tried stars just for finishing the race and not getting points. So that was the Australian Grand Prix. We got Malaysia next week, and I guess we'll be coming back at you sometime the week after that. Yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, be sure to check us out at thegridgirls.com. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back at you in a couple weeks. Thanks for joining us. I'm Saskia Stewart. That was Sarah Connors. And this was the latest edition of The Grid Girls. We'll see you at the next race.